Today we begin a new series on parenting. And we're talking about four different things, as you can see up here, about the importance of prayer, and modeling, and teaching, and blessing. And if you were here last week, you heard me say that even though this is a series designed for parents, it's not just for parents, because these four things are things that all of us can do in our relationships, whether we are a grandparent, or an uncle, or an aunt, or a teacher, or a coach, or a mentor, or a disciple maker, we have an opportunity to practice these four things in our relationships with other people. And so today we're going to be talking about the importance of modeling, and I'd like us to pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word and how it guides us in each area of life. And when we think about parenting, it can be a very humbling experience. We want our children to know you. We want to be a good example to them. And there are some times when we fail in that. And we don't live as we should, but our kids can even learn from our mistakes. And I thank you for that. I thank you for your grace that is merciful toward us. And I pray that in our parenting, we would be grace-based as well. And that we would humbly walk before our children in a way that they can see Christ in us and where we might encourage them helping them to understand how you have made them and your love for them. And so, Lord, would you use the things that we talk about today to just be an encouragement to all of our parents and to all of us in our different relationships as we think about these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last Sunday we began by talking about the priority of prayer. And prayer isn't the only thing that we should do, but it is the first thing. And I emphasize that in the message and encourage you to pray using the Scriptures even as a way to pray according to the will of God. But I want to clarify one thing. I received an email this week with a question in it, and I actually appreciate that. You know, if you ever have a question about something I say in a message or you want me to clarify something, just, you know, you can send me an email and I have a chance to respond to you or uh, perhaps in a way like this too. I want to make sure that you understand that when we pray, I wasn't saying that if we pray according to God's will that everything's going to go smoothly in life all the time. And I think you understand that. That there are trials that will come in our way even when we do pray. And there are difficulties and there will be loss and all of those kind of things that come as a part of living in a fallen world. In fact, just this week I learned about a free church couple uh, who are missionaries in the EFCA. And they had a daughter who was killed tragically this week in Chicago in a bicycle accident. She's 24 years old. A graduate of Moody Bible Institute, and she had been a fifth grade teacher at a Christian school. And just, I, I know the heartbreak that they have. And no one would ever suggest that, you know, they didn't pray enough or that was the reason why these things happen. We live in a fallen world with these kind of dangers and risks that are there, and that's all the more reason why we need to pray. And pray for God's hand to be upon our children and upon our spouses and those that we love and that God would keep them safe until that day when He calls them home. Well, today we're going to talk about the importance of modeling. Modeling. And we all need role models in our life. We need people who we can look up to, who we respect and who we can learn from. I'm very grateful in my life for the different men that God has used to have been uh, teachers, mentors, disciple makers in my life who have helped to shape me. 
But the primary person that God used in my life was my father. And there are many different things that I have learned from him. I have a pair of shoes here this morning. They're a pair of my shoes. And I brought them as an example to go along with the message that we're talking about this morning of wearing shoes that we want filled. When I was a little boy, I can still remember seeing my dad's shoes when they would be there by the door or the entry. And there were times when as a little kid, you know, I'd want to step into my dad's shoes. And they were so big. I mean, they were only a ten and a half, but as a little kid, they were huge to me. Okay, and I remember being able to step in them with not only my foot, but with my shoes on and step into them and walk around. He may have wondered on occasion why that extra dirt was in there, but, you know... You know, little kids love to do that. They put on their dad's shoes, if you will, and they clunk around in them. And I have good memories of my father. My father was a farmer, and he was a big man and a strong man. He was also a kind man and a good man. And there are so many things that I learned from him. And I remember as a little kid, just, you know, wanting to be like my dad. That's the natural tendency of kids. They look up to their parents. They imitate them. They're watching all the time. I remember times when I would be there as I got older and I'd watch, you know, a little kid standing by his dad who was a farmer and the dad might be wearing those bib overalls and the kid was wearing the bib overalls. And, you know, if the dad had a cap on a certain way, the son had the cap on that way. Or he'd look up and the dad sort of scuffed the dirt, he might scuff the dirt too. And watching all the time. Because that's the way that we learn as kids. We're watching our parents. We're seeing how they deal with life, how they deal with circumstances, both good and bad, how they treat people, what are their values, what are their beliefs and convictions. So much of what we learn is imparted in that way by the modeling of those that we look up to and see. And so it's very important for us as parents and grandparents and others in those relationships that we wear the shoes we want filled. That the kind of example that we are setting is the example that we want our kids to follow. And we're going to think about that today. Modeling is an important part of teaching. It's an important part of parenting and disciple making. You can go on to the point one. The reason modeling is so important is because what we are passing on to our children is more than just content. We are imparting our very life. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Ezra who was a priest. And he led one of the great revivals in the Old Testament. A revival that took place when the Jews returned to Jerusalem after their captivity in Babylon. Ezra was described as a teacher who was well-versed in the law of Moses. He knew the Scriptures well. And he was also described as a man on whom God's hand rested. He experienced God's favor in a special way. God blessed this man because he was a man of God. And he cared about the people that God had entrusted to him. In fact, verse 10 in chapter 7 gives us a look at the pattern of Ezra's life. And it says this about him. That Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Ezra had devoted himself to these things. This was his calling for his life. 
to devote himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and then to teach it. Now think about those three primary words there. Study, observe, teach. The order is significant there. We need to know what God has said in His Word before we can live it out in our life. And we need to live it out before we can effectively teach it. And Ezra had committed himself to modeling the truth of God that he taught. And I think about that as parents. You know, we need to know what God has said. How has He called us to live? What are the things that He wants us to do? And then model that in our life. Live that out. If we want our children to grow in their relationship with Christ, we need to be growing in Christ. If we want them to be kind and generous and faithful in their relationships, we need to be that kind of person. We see this also in the example of Jesus. Jesus, in His ministry, was molding and shaping men and women. In Mark 3.14, there's a passage where Jesus called the twelve. He chose the twelve and He designated them as apostles. And He did it that they might be with Him. And then He might send them out to preach. He called these twelve men to travel with Him, live with Him, eat with Him, watch His ministry, hear Him teach, see how He interacted with people, see how He prayed. They were to observe His life And then in time, He would send them out to carry on the mission. So much of what Jesus taught them was simply by the way that He lived and related to God the Father and related to people. And they saw all of that. And when they heard Him teach, there was power and authority in what He said because they saw Him live that every day. The Apostle Paul did that true. Did that too. Throughout his ministry, Paul took others with him. You see examples in the book of Acts of where he took Barnabas and Mark and Timothy and Titus and Silas and others as he traveled. He never went alone intentionally. He always was bringing people with him who could learn from him and share in the work. And Paul would say to Timothy as a young pastor, he said to him, you know, you know all about my teaching, my way of life. My purpose, my faith, patience, love, persecutions, and sufferings. Timothy, you have seen me in all of these different situations. You know how faithful God has been. You know my convictions in my heart. This is where I stand. This is what I'm willing to die for. That was powerful. The example of Paul in the life of Timothy. And to the Corinthians, Paul would say... Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That to me is a great verse. When I think about our relationship, whatever it is, if we are trying to disciple someone or if we are being a parent or we are being a coach or we are a teacher, you know, I look at that and I think of that should be our heart. I'm trying to follow Jesus Christ as a pastor. And to the extent that I am faithful in following Jesus Christ, follow my example. That's a strong word. Do what I do. Watch my life and see the things that I am doing and follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. That's really our calling as parents too because the primary place where God wants us to learn about Jesus Christ is in the home. He wants children to learn from the example of their mom and their dad. 
what it means to know Jesus Christ and live that out. It is not, you know, we uh, grow our kids to a certain age and then we send them to church and then we want the church to do that for them. The church helps in that process. We are here to nurture and create an environment where we can all grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But the primary responsibility and the big difference maker in a child's life is what happens in the home. And it is important for both parents to be involved in the discipling of their children. But it is especially important for dads to take that role of leadership. When a dad walks with Christ, the impact on his family is huge. Look at these statistics. If neither parent attends church, only about 6% of children will attend as an adult. There are those kids who come from our community whose parents never go to church, and they come to Awana, they come to Sunday school or youth group. And we want to work with them, and I hope we're doing better than 6% of those kids continuing to walk with Christ. But that's the average. If only mom attends church, only about 15% of those children will continue to go to church for the rest of their lives. If only dad attends, though, the number jumps way up. 55% of children will attend church as an adult if their dad goes to church. And if both attend, 72% of children will remain faithful for the rest of their life. Those statistics come from a study that was found in Drawing Men to God by Sid Woodruff. Josh McDowell has done some studies on this recently too and looking at teenagers and involvement in church and he puts the numbers even higher than that. If dad is involved and if mom and dad are both living that out, the percentage goes even higher. We've seen that in our church. We saw the impact that Promise Keepers had as a ministry upon men in our church. And when men got involved and began to go in that and came back and shared, I know many of you would say that the best service we ever had in our church was that Sunday after those guys came back and they shared their testimony and they were up here front singing and sharing and telling what God had done. It was one of those rare services that went into extra innings and nobody minded. We just continued the whole morning as we went on. When you as men got involved in small groups and got involved in our youth ministry and began to teach our kids and do that, those kids stepped up because they saw it was important to their dad. I've always been grateful for the involvement of the men in our church that are actively involved in ministry. You've been a role model to my sons, and that has been an encouragement to me and to the whole church. Why is this so important? It is because generally faith is more caught than taught. The truth is that we need both modeling and teaching. But I understand what is meant by that saying that faith is more caught than taught. When you see a person's life and you see how they live it out, those actions do speak louder than words. But there is also the appropriate place for teaching to clarify the message to train or to give that base of knowledge and uh, information and beliefs that shape our convictions. So the challenge for us as parents is to really do both and to be the kind of person we want our children to become. 
That's my challenge to you, to be the kind of person that you want your children to become. Today we're talking about modeling. Next week we're going to talk about teaching, which is the second part of that. James Dobson, in his book, Bringing Up Boys, which is a a very good book. It's one of those that we have out there available too. In his book, he says that there are two primary ways that we can influence our children, by modeling and by teaching. And he said if character training is the primary goal of parenting, and I believe it is, then the best way to instill it is through our own behavior, through the behavior and demeanor of a parent. Because identification is a far more efficient teacher than lecturing or scolding or punishing or bribing or cajoling. Boys watch their dads intently, noting every minor detail of behavior and values. And girls watch their mothers in the same way. Concerning fathers, your sons will imitate much of what you do. If you blow up regularly and insult your wife, your boys will treat their mother and other women disrespectfully. If you drink to excess, your kids will be at risk for chemical abuse. If you curse or smoke or fight with your coworkers, your boys will probably follow suit. If you are selfish or mean or angry, you'll see those characteristics displayed in the next generation. But fortunately, the converse is also true. If you are honest and trustworthy and caring and loving and self-disciplined and God-fearing, your boys will be influenced by those traits as they age. If you are deeply committed to Jesus Christ and live by biblical principles, your children will probably follow in your footsteps. So much depends upon what they observe in you for better or for worse. That is so true. I mean, how does a son learn what it means to be a man? What it means to be a husband and a father? The way he primarily learns that is through the example of his father. How does a daughter learn what it means to be a woman, a wife, a mother? Generally, it's through the example of her mother. We have a powerful influence on our children just by the way that we live. What happens if a child doesn't have a father or a mother at home? And that's where we need other adults who can be a role model for us and who can help in that regard. Men who will take other sons under their wing and encourage them, coach them, teach them, mentor them. And likewise women who will work with other daughters who may be in that kind of situation where they don't have a mom. Those examples are really powerful. James Dobson shared this story from nature that's kind of an interesting illustration of that. He talked about a national park in South Africa where they are doing a project to preserve and protect elephants. Those are big, kind of lovable creatures in one sense to look at and see. And what was going on in this project was they were bringing all these elephants to try to protect them from the encroachment of civilization and from poachers and other things like that. But they encountered something that was kind of a strange situation as the years went on in this project. They began to have some elephants that were kind of bullies. And without provocation, there would be an elephant that would knock a rhinoceros over and then kneel and gore it to death. And it was not typical elephant behavior. 
And then the game wardens began to rethink what was being done in that park. Apparently, the aggressiveness was a byproduct of a government program to reduce the elephant population by killing the older animals. And almost all of the young rogues were orphaned when they were calves, depriving them of adult contact. Under normal circumstances, dominant older males keep the young bulls in line and serve as role models for them. But in the absence of that influence, juvenile delinquents, even among the elephants, began to grow up. When they made the change and kept the older bulls in the herd, the behavior changed. You know, it's interesting to think about that. I mean, it's risky to apply animal behavior too closely to human behavior here, but we see some of that in our world. Our prisons are populated by mostly men, and mostly men who never knew their father or didn't have a very good role model in their life. In fact, Bill Glass, an evangelist who counseled for almost 25 years with men in prisons, said that he hardly ever met a man who loved his father who was in prison. An example of that was one year when a card company, a greeting card company, decided to do something special for Mother's Day and they set up tables in the prison where prisoners could come and they could get a card and send it to their mom. And there were so many that wanted to do that that the card company had to go back and get more cards. It was such a success they decided to do it on Father's Day. But on Father's Day, no one came. Many of them didn't even know who their father was. No one came to send a card to their father. That absence in their life was a huge void. And it really shaped the way that they became as adults. Dads, it's really important that we are involved in the life of our children to nurture and encourage them. But moms, your role is also important. We see that in Scripture where, for example, Timothy came to faith because of the example and the influence of his grandmother and his mother who were his primary teachers until Paul came along as a discipler for Timothy. When I look back on the role of my parents, I learned things from both of them. I mean, my dad, like I said, was a farmer. Uh, he was 49 years old when I was born. We didn't play a lot of games in one sense. We worked together a lot, though. And I just spent time with him. And I learned so many things from my dad just by watching him. I learned the value of hard work. I learned faithfulness and responsibility, that there are things that you just have to do. He took me with when he was uh, at the elevator or making deals for machinery or buying a car, and he taught me how to do that. And as I got older, he said, okay, I want you to do this. I want you to make this purchase and negotiate the deal. And then he talked to me afterwards. I mean, he gave me responsibility at home. He gave me certain fields that would be my responsibility to take and manage, and then we'd talk about those things. But I saw in his life, you know, an honesty. Uh, and there were times when he would tell me that a man's word is his bond, and if you can't trust a man's word, what can you trust? And I saw what happened when sometimes other men didn't keep their word, and my dad got hurt in a deal because of that. And I saw how he dealt with disappointment and loss and forgiveness. I learned the value of faith. 
my dad was actively involved in church and he loved to read the scriptures and I saw that as important in his life and all of those things began to shape me in my life. My dad was a quiet man and a humble man in many ways. And most of what he taught me was by his example. My mom was the teacher in the family. She taught for many years and then later worked for the county and the assessor's office. But she was always a teacher at home. She's the one who encouraged my early attempts at speaking, who wanted me to be involved in a lot of different activities at school, whether it was music or sports or other things. Uh, she uh, would uh, play Scrabble with us just about every Sunday night. She wanted us to learn and grow and have a larger vocabulary, if you will, and do those kind of things because that was, that was her role in the family and what she valued. And when I look at my life today, I think of how, in a large part, I am who I am because of their influence in those different areas of my life. The same thing is true for you as parents. When you think about your children, you are the primary influence in their life. When I think about my kids, I think about those shoes I wear, and I wonder how will they remember me, and what will they say about me, and what is the example that I am setting. And how will your children remember you? I want to encourage you to wear shoes that you want filled. In other words, be the kind of person that you want your children to become. So think about that. Be intentional. What are the things that you would like to pass on to your children? Make a list of those things or talk about it with your husband or wife and say, you know, I want to make sure that our children are growing in their relationship with Christ or that they have a deep love for Him and honesty, that they value hard work or friendship or loyalty or whatever those qualities may be. Think about those practical skills that you want them to learn before they leave home. Those basic life skills like maybe how to do their own laundry or cooking or car care or budgeting and finances. Some of those home repairs or yard work or things that need to be done as well as the hobbies and interests that they enjoy. Be intentional. Think about how you will pass them on to your children. So much of it is done just by spending time with them as they observe your life and you involve them in that. But there are also times when we need to plan it in. We need to spend time with our children. We teach these things by our life and by our teaching. Sometimes we need to schedule those things in because life gets so busy. And then finally, remember that we can't do this in our own strength alone. We need God's grace and wisdom continually. We need Him to be at work in us in order to accomplish these things. Let's pray. Father, I thank You again for the example that we see in Scripture of how Jesus, how Paul, how Ezra and others all taught by their way of life. And I pray that we would be very conscious of that as parents and the example that we are setting and that we would faithfully follow You and we pray that our children would do the same. Guide us in that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.